What up, guys? It's JP from the Double Double, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. And today is the Fake Trades episode. I think we've done this every single year. It's one of our favorite episodes we do every year because it's just so fun. It gets the brain going, just what pieces fit on what teams, whose ceiling raises, who should blow it up, all these questions we get to ask ourselves as we do this episode. I'm just going to hop right into it because I had a blast with the ESPN trade machine a few days ago. The first one, the first trade that I'm going to talk about involves a player that people probably think shouldn't be on the move, but I want to bring him up just in case. Laurie Markkinen. Uh, it involves the Lakers getting Laurie Markkinen and Mike Conley, and the Jazz get the package we've all been talking about for five months, the Westbrook and two unprotected picks. And the reasoning behind this is the Lakers obviously get the much-needed shooting they need from both of the players they get from the Jazz. And then the Jazz get a massive expiring contract in Westbrook and probably the two most valuable picks in the league. What do you think about that, just for starters? It's interesting from the the Lakers end. I think that's what you'd have to give up to get those kind of people onto your team. But if you're thinking about it from the Utah end, Laurie Markkinen is 25 years old. What are the odds that a 2027 or a 2029 first is going to net you a player better than Laurie Markkinen? That's what you're betting that the Lakers are absolutely horrible and you get a top five pick. Yeah. How many players in the NBA are going to be 25 point per game scorers on 60, whatever, 66% true shooting? True. He's probably a top like 30 player in the league right now. He's playing like one this season for sure. Um, I think honestly, that's the sort of move you'd have to give up. But I think that there are different moves if you're a Laker and you want to bring in the right sort of fit for your team. Malik Beasley. Jordan Clarkson, I think those are two names that could absolutely be pretty good players in L.A. And the Um, thinking behind this really quickly, the thinking behind this is just Utah is free-falling in the standings right now, mm -hmm. right? They're absolutely plummeting. Um, And obviously you want a guy like Laurie Markkinen on your team, but he makes you a much better team. If he's gone from your squad, you're dropping into the Victor Wembenyama range. And not only that, you're getting those two coveted picks from the Lakers. So this is kind of the implosion option for the Jazz, where they decide, hey, we don't want to be in the playing game. We want to really commit to being a bad team so we can either get Scoot or Wemby. Yeah, and honestly, if that's the move they're going for, they have to commit to that like this second. Yeah. Because when you look at the standings, Detroit, <laughs> Charlotte, Houston, all sitting at or below 12 wins, that's 10 less wins than the Jazz have right now. So they'd have to suck really bad. Uh, and getting rid of Laurie Markkinen would definitely help them with that. If the Jazz are thinking more of like a retooling or like a you know we're not going to be the worst team in the nba for a couple of years but maybe we'll be a 12 seed and we'll just develop the guys we have um i'd like to see malik beasley jordan clarkson and mike conley moved i think those are three guys they all fit pretty well as shooters around lebron uh none of them play defense but i think if you just had a bunch of catch and shoot guys around lebron and anthony davis when he was healthy i think that works too yeah Let's move on to another trade involving Lori Markkinen. The Warriors get Lori Markkinen, and then the Jazz get Kamenga, Wiseman, and an unprotected first pick, unprotected first round pick. And that's just, hey, we're going to bet on the Warriors' youth. We want to get younger. We want another pick to add to our war chest. And the Warriors, who have been weirdly inconsistent this year, yes, Steph Curry's been hurt. A lot of weird injuries have been going on, but um, I don't know. I think. I think that could be an interesting way to blow it up as well. Yeah, I mean, bringing up a, a seven-foot shooter onto this team 
it's only going to help. Larry Markkinen can run around screens and catch and shoot. He can do it. He can do stuff with the ball in his hands. Um, and they need more creators. As much as Jordan Poole is important to this team, when he is as inefficient as he is from everywhere, you definitely need more guys who can do that kind of that play style. Um, I think that works. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think if you're selling on Larry Markkinen right now, are you yeah. selling at his absolute highest point, or is there a belief that he could do this kind of production for a year and a half, two years, that sort of I, thing? I love the way Larry Markkinen's playing right now. It's hard for me to imagine he gets better than what he's doing right now. He's literally, by the advanced analytics, either the first or second most efficient player in the league per touch. There's not much more room for him to grow. I mean, what he's doing, he is just the best hired gun in the league right now. The second he touches the ball, it's a bucket. Um, It's hard for me to imagine he can get even better than what he's doing. I think that's fair. Is there a world where Dallas can get Larry Markkinen? So I don't have the, that trade made. I have two more Larry Markkinen ones, but I love that fit with Luca too, because, and trust me, I have some Mavs trades in this uh, episode for sure, but just getting Luca help needs to be a priority. And Larry Markkinen being that guy, I'm absolutely okay with that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. Um, I want to get to a hypothetical that I brought up, just that I texted you the other day that I want to get on the podcast. Maybe it's a thing that can happen next year in a side and trade maybe it's a total pie in the sky og ananobi for carl anthony towns um i think the whole double center situation in minnesota is not working and carl anthony towns should be the one to go and i think if you had ant og and rudy gobert together that's a good squad that's a good top three guys i agree but i think the Raptors need to send more. I think straight up yeah. that that would just be a horrible trade. Definitely. Um, if the Raptors sent over OG and Fred Van Vliet or OG and two unprotected first round picks or something like that, then we're talking because Cats made an all NBA team, right? Cats right. made multiple all-star games. OG hasn't sniffed those type of accolades. And he's a good player, but he's not Carl Anthony Towns, even with Carl Anthony Towns deficiencies. Um, it's an interesting trade. I like it for both teams just because it seems like it solves some pretty big issues. Obviously, the Raptors can't shoot for anything. Mm-hmm. And then the double center experiment has not worked for Minnesota. So as a hypothetical, I really like that. Yeah, just one I wanted to get out there, uh, but I'll let you go next. Just two more Laurie Markkinen ones. We can be quick with this. Raptors get Laurie Markkinen for the same reasons, just shooting. And then the Jazz get OG in a top four protected pick. And that's more of a retooling option for the Jazz, mm. where they still bring in some really nice talent, but they also get to add a expensive pick to it. And then the Pelicans get Laurie Markkinen, and the Jazz get Valanchunas, Dyson Daniels, and two unprotected first round picks. Do you like either one of those? Ooh, I think I like the Pelicans one the least, because I think Valanchunas is important to their lineup especially with the amount of injury concerns that Ingram and Zion have. Valanciunas plays most of those games, and he's, you know, we got to make an all-underrated team. We do those every year. Valanciunas will be on my list. Yeah. All right, let's move on to one that involves the Beam team, the Sacramento Kings. They get Bojan Bogdanovic from the Pistons, and the Pistons get Harrison Barnes and an unprotected pick. I love that. I love that a lot. I think... If that's enough for Sacramento to get Bogdanovich, I think that would be perfect. Harrison Barnes is not having an excellent year. He's fine. Um, Do you think they'd have to throw in anybody young? Do you think they'd have to give up a Malik Monk or a Davion Mitchell or anything like that? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think the one protected, unprotected pick from one of the 
worst run franchises over the last two decades is valuable enough for a team who's very young to begin with. And Bogdanovich is one of those players where he's just raising the piston ceiling unnecessarily. Like there's a few games they should have lost this year, but he's dragged them to wins just Mm -hmm. from extremely efficient shooting. So um, I think that's a win-win. I like that. I like that. Honestly. Um, I don't know if you ever heard the talk that Dwayne Casey had for Bogdanovich about how good he thinks he is. Did you see that? I saw it. And that was the dumbest thing I've ever comparing seen. Comparing him to like the greatest forwards he's ever coached or seen play the NBA. Bogdanovich is up there. That was very silly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of places we could talk about Boyan Bogdanovich going. Um, I think that's a good one. There's a lot of places that just need an extra guy who can create for themselves. Dallas. Yeah. Bogdanovich yeah. could go to Dallas. There's a lot of names. I have another one for Bogdanovich, and it's to the Knicks for a very similar package heading back to the Pistons with Fournier and an unprotected first-round pick. And very similar reasoning. You're just replacing the shooting you're losing with Bogdanovich, but you're getting an unprotected first-round pick from one of the worst-run organizations in the league. Yeah, Evan Fournier has not done anything at all this season. Uh, he maybe hasn't done anything at all since he's gotten his contract. He was an efficient catch and shoot guy for the Knicks for like a year there. Um, but getting rid of him and bringing in a guy who can, who you, you know, can take shots away from RJ Barrett. Um, I think that's a good thing. I think there needs to be another efficient creator on that Knicks team. Yeah. And I think the more three point shooting the Knicks have, the better they are. Cause I feel like that could potentially be the one weakness for them. Cause Julius mm-hmm. Randle's been very good. Mitchell Robinson's been very good. Brunson obviously playing out of his mind, but if you can put a guy who can comfortably shoot above 38% from three for a calendar year, that that really raises their ceiling. I agree. Um, and before we pivot off the Knicks, uh, just a quick aside, Jalen Brunson, 22, four and six. Is that enough for an all-star? Not Absolutely. For you? you think Absolutely. so? Okay. Um, I think that's fine. I mean, I was trying to think about the guards in the East and there's Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie, James Harden. And then after that, Halliburton and Jalen Brunson, I think, is where the battle is. Yeah, um, you're probably right. Yeah, but I would love to see Jalen Brunson make an all-star game this year. I have another one for the Knicks really quick. Eric yeah. Gordon from the Houston Rockets, mm. just out in wasteland, hating his life every single day. If you get him on the Knicks and the Rockets get back the same package, Evan Fournier, but they protect the pick for probably like the top five to seven. Um, the Rockets get way worse because Fournier is horrible. They get a valuable pick, and then the Knicks get better with some three-point shooting and some wing defense. How do you what do you think about that one? I think that's good. I mean, I think Houston Rockets are such a, a failure where they're at right now. There's <laughs> some things that really need to change, but I would love yeah. to see Eric Gordon no longer on that team just for his sake. And I right. think that that works out for both sides. And I think that's how the Rockets should be treating the situation. I think they should be trying to do right by Eric Gordon. I think it's weird they haven't moved him already. To have a player that much older than his like counterparts and yeah. just suck every single night. Like I, I don't know why they're kind of keeping him there. It seems a little strange and disrespectful. Like put him on a team that's at least decent. It is strange. There's two guys on the team that are over 30. Him and Boban are the only two guys who are 34. And then it's a team full of young guys. Yeah. Um, I always understood the whole like we need veterans around these guys. But at a certain point, when you think about the the value you could have gotten for Gordon, right. probably it would have been better to ship him when you had the chance. 100%. I remember last year thinking, I want the Cavs to get Eric Gordon instead of Karis LeVert. And it yeah. just never happened. And they, they're holding on to him for whatever reason. So yeah. it doesn't make too much sense. 
Uh, we've talked about this possibility. I'm not even sure on the podcast, but the Grizzlies trade for OG Ananobi and the Raptors get Danny Green, Dylan Brooks, and an unprotected first round pick. Um, my thinking behind this is just the Grizz get to get off the Danny Green contract because he's not even playing. They get an upgrade from Dylan Brooks and OG does very similar things to Dylan. Uh, yeah, to Dylan, just more versatile on defense. And then an unprotected first round picks go to the Raps, which honestly, if they're getting younger, that that probably helps them. So, yeah, Dylan Brooks is probably like a great value OG Ananobi anyway. Um, yeah. He, I will say, uh, for all the hate we give Dylan Brooks, and I think it's fair because he's inefficient and shit, the Grizzlies are 10 points better with him on the floor. Yeah, um, he's... He, he's been good. He's been necessary for them this year. They've needed his minutes. Uh, NBA University, which is, I mean, just an awesome Twitter account. Please go check them out. Put out some wild, wild stats about Dylan Brooks and how he's basically the best perimeter defender in the entire league this year. Um. And that's if that's true, that's incredible. But OG's just more versatile. Like I'm yeah. comfortable with OG guarding a four from yeah. the start of the game to the end of the game. I don't, I don't know if Dylan Brooks is up for that task. He is physical. He he does have a body, but I think he's better at the point of attack. So if you can get OG, who can kind of switch more. Yeah, and if you're thinking about the sort of trades that the Raptors could make, do you want to give up OG Ananobi and bring back bums and picks, or do you want to bring back players that can impact winning? Yeah, I think you want to bring back some players that can impact winning. Right. The Raps want to retool. I don't think they want to blow it up. And Danny right. Green, he's not playing this year, but he is coming back next year. That's some shooting for them. So it's, it's kind of just a retooling. But I just the thought of the Grizz cashing in on all the young talent they have just it excites me. I think there's a level to their ceiling that they can rise. Definitely. And if you're only giving up Dylan Brooks and uh, Danny Green, you still have so many young players there. Um, do you think realistically Danny Green plays another game in the NBA? He's recovering off an ACL injury. Um, he wasn't at his best when he played for Philly. What do you think about his career going forward? He's going to be 35 next year. Hmm. It kind of feels like just a contract dump. Maybe. Danny Green won't play a game for the Raptors. And I, honestly, I think that's fine either way. Could totally just be an expiring next year for sure. Yeah. Um, either way, there's value to an expiring contract and getting him off your team. Um, I, I like that trade. Uh, here's another one for you. The Wizards get Jay Crowder and Damian Lee and a protected first. I don't, I didn't know what protection to pers- put on it, but it's protected. And the Suns get Kyle Kuzma. Uh, Ooh. the Suns finally get, get to get rid of the Crowder problem. Damian mm. Lee is just a shooter and basically a contract to throw in there. And then the protected first. And Kuzma's playing some of the best ball of his life. Yeah. You can pair him up with Mikhail Bridges, Aiton, Booker, and Chris Paul. That's a unbelievable starting five. Absolutely. I have talked about the no man's land that Washington finds themselves in and how awful that is. And Kyle Kuzma could get you value on the trade market. Um, you don't need to be a good team right now. Trade him and get as much as you can. As, as interesting as the idea, and I do think it's interesting, if you had... Porzingis, Kuzma, uh, you know, you could think of a healthy starting five with this Wizards team that kind of excites you a little bit with Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, and Porzingis, but it, we're just not seeing it lead to winning. Right. Um, so at a certain point, like if you could ship Kyle Kuzma and get some really good value to your team, I like that. Yeah, I do too. And he's up for a contract extension inspection next year, but as of right now, he's pretty cheap. It's he's pretty easy to get, and he's going to impact winning basically right away. 
He's just yeah. a guy who can get you buckets and he's versatile on defense and he's a better rebounder than I think maybe we give him credit for because he seems so flashy that you don't yeah. picture him doing the dirty work, but he's He's there. a do-it-all kind of guy. And uh, NBA University, you just brought him up. They put out the other day the best five-man lineups in the NBA, not including garbage time. No. Washington's five-man lineup is fourth. Morris, Beal, Avdia, Kuzma, and Porzingis is fourth best starting five in the NBA. That's an insane it is. And it's a surprising. it's a testament to just how terrible their bench unit is and how often people get injured and they don't get to play everybody together. Um, but you know, I mean, obviously we're seeing it not work. So ship out Kyle Kuzma, bring in some value. I think that's smart. And what do you think about it from the Suns' point of view, adding Kuzma to that lineup? I think they need a guy like that. I think Kuzma has gotten to the point where he's very underrated. He was overrated in LA Mm -hmm. and because he's in Washington, nobody talks about him anymore. And he's actually playing the best basketball of his career. Um, Awesome. Would be an awesome replacement in Phoenix. And I love Kuzma for them too, just because they need a guy who can score 40 who's mm-hmm. not Devin Booker. And Kuzma, for whatever reason, we've seen him heat up to crazy heights. In LA, we saw it, and in Washington, we're seeing it. If he can just do that every once in a while and kind of drag the Suns' offense when it's in a lull, that's yeah. very helpful. Yeah, and he's not going to be taking as many shots on the Suns. He's averaging seven threes a game for the Wizards this year. That'll probably go down to, that would go down to like four for the Suns, and he'd be more efficient in those four. Uh, I think that's a great one. Here's another one with Kuzma. The Mavericks get Kyle Kuzma, Corey Kispert, and Daniel Gafford. The Wizards get Davis Bertans, JaVale McGee, and two unprotected first-round picks. So my thinking here is Mavs get Kuzma, who helps them with scoring. They get Gafford, who helps them with defense. And they get Kispert to kind of replace what they're losing in Bertans. And then the Wizards are kind of blowing it up here. That's a pretty significant trade that makes you significantly worse. But you get two unprotected first round picks, which are valuable in today's game. Unfortunately, when you're trading it to a team like the Mavericks, you're not sure how great those picks are going to be because Luka's there. So if this goes horribly and Luka demands out, you're sitting on gold. But if Lucas stays there for the next decade, these are probably irrelevant. So what are your thoughts on that trade? I'm I'm trying to think, is there a young player that Dallas could throw in to make that deal more enticing? Jaden Hardy's the only one. Yeah. Um, they the That's why the Mavericks are so stuck right now, because they have no young enticing talent and they have no all-stars. So yeah. they're in a weird middle ground where no one's getting better. And no one's already good. They're just sitting at what they are already. Would you, is there any interest at all in sending along Josh Green? He's not like this high level player, but he doesn't do things wrong. He's good at defense. He shoots well from the three. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm just thinking about it from the Wizards end and I'm not sure how enticing that deal is. If you're the Wizards, you're probably going to watch Josh Green. Yeah. You're probably going to want a guy who's very good at defense, super efficient, knows his game, doesn't kind of play outside of that. Mm. Um, you're probably right. They'll probably ask for him. And I think deal. if you threw him in, that that's a deal that works. It's a deal so, that works for okay. both sides. Um, because Bertons is bad. Um, yeah, and Bertons is just a contract. He's just a bad player. Yeah. Uh, they need, you know, if you get a two picks and a young guy that you can play after the disaster in their drafting this year, I think, honestly, they need something like that. Would you prefer Josh Green to be included in the deal or one extra unprotected first round pick? Three firsts versus two firsts and Josh Green. 
Um, I think on the Dallas end, it's just easier to throw in Josh Green. I think it's harder to throw in an extra pick. That's interesting. Yeah, no, having the picks makes it easier to make another trade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, good pick, good trade. The Mavericks need to make a trade. If they don't make a trade, if the trade deadline passes and this is the same Mavs team, I'm not going to talk about them. Yeah. It's, they need to shake something up, I yes. think. They do. They need somebody to come in. But the thing, they don't really have the flexibility, and that's kind of what I was just talking about. Like, I actually have another Mavs trade, and this would be kind of what you're looking for, I think, Ben. The Mavericks get DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso, and the Bulls get Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, and two unprotected first-round picks. Mm. The Mavs instantly get more shot creation and a guy that they can just give the ball to if Luke is having an off night. And Alex Caruso is one of the best on-ball defenders in the entire league. The Bulls get Tim Hardaway Jr. to just shoot some shots. Dorian Finney-Smith, same thing, three-point shooter and defense, and then two picks as well. And it kind of feels like a retooling for the Bulls rather than a complete blow-it-up because... You still keep Vooch. You still have Zach Levine. You still have Lonzo Ball, except now you're just putting Tim Hardaway Jr. and DFS next to those guys instead of DeRozan and Caruso. Yeah, those are two of the better role players on the Mavs. Um, I Tim Hardaway Jr., the Mavs are much better with him on the floor. I love that idea. Really, I do. I think Zach Levine should be the dude you build around, even though DeMar DeRozan's been unbelievable. Yep. Um, they kind of, there was like an accidental battle there. I think they kind of assumed Zach Levine would just be the better guy and DeMar yeah. would be the number two. And then DeMar would come out putting up 30 a game for like a month. <laughs> and like, they didn't know what to do. I think if you take that route, Zach Levine instantly becomes your man. Yep. Um, and I think that's a good trade. I, I like that, the path for both teams. And you're surrounding him with shooting and defense too. Yeah. Because oh, Tim Hardaway Jr. and DFS they get hot from three and they they're fine. DFS is a way better defender than Hardaway, Absolutely. but Hardaway still tries. Yeah. Um, and then if like if ball comes back, it is anything, right? Like you have decent perimeter defenders, a go-to scorer in Levine, and then Vooch. We saw him put up a 40-point game yesterday. I'm not a fan of his defense, but there's no denying he's a talented offensive player. True, true. Uh, I'm I'm terrified for Lonzo Ball. Did you see yeah. that video of him running on the treadmill? There's like a very clear hitch in his leg when he's running. I don't know why they put that out. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Also, going back to the Mavs, how much does that raise their ceiling? Because we we keep talking about like if they can't contend soon, Luca's going to maybe think about going somewhere else. If you put DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso next to him, does that put them in the tier of like, you better watch out for this team? It's It's an interesting question because there's similar shades to what's going on in Atlanta right now where your shooting will get much worse, but your playmaking will get much better. Mm. Um, your three-point shooting will get worse because I, I, it all depends on whether or not Luka could be a catch-and-shoot guy because DeMar DeRozan can collapse a defense and get work his way into the mid-range for a nice shot. Can Luka be the dude who sits on the wing and gets kicked out to and catches and shoots a three? And we've never seen it before. And right. that's why I've had some issues with his gameplay is just we've only seen one aspect of it, and he's a hall of fame generational type player at that aspect he's playing right now, but there's not a lot of versatility to Luca's offense in my opinion. So, you know, does getting a guy like DeMar DeRozan who will demand the ball and who will take mid range shots instead of corner threes. Does that annoy Luca? Does that make things harder for him? Or does that make things easier for him? Cause teams respect the hell out of DeRozan and how he's just an unbelievable bucket getter. 
Yeah, I mean, at the moment, Luca takes less than one catch and shoot three a game, 0.8 a game. Um, he's shooting 45% on all of them that he's taken so far. But what is that, like 8, yeah, 12? You know, exactly. it's, it's the sample size is too small. Um, I wouldn't be uncomfortable with Luca as a catch and shoot guy. Um, I wouldn't like if I'm the GM, that wouldn't share, that wouldn't scare yeah. me at all. I think he can handle that. But you're right in the sense that we haven't seen that kind of play style from him. And what are your thoughts about Caruso next to him? Because I think that's one of my favorite fits in the entire league, where it's just an absolute dog on the defensive side of the ball, just hustle guy, connective playmaker next to Luca, who I think has the ball in his hands a little too much, and Alex could kind of help take that away. Yeah, and Loki, I don't uh, have any high hopes at all for Alex Caruso's offense. Um, he's surprisingly no, he's... a 40% three-point shooter on two threes a game, but I don't I don't see a lot of high-level offensive production from him. But with energy. The, yeah, absolutely. But with the point-of-attack defense that he brings next to Luka Doncic, that would be unbelievable. Yeah, I, I that was one of my favorite ones for the Mavericks. Um, here's one for the Bulls, another one. Uh, the Bulls get Bogdanovich, so this is the opposite. This is, you're going all in, and you're just like, when Lonzo comes back, we're going to be a, a championship-level team. Mm-hmm. You get Bogdanovich, and the Pistons get Pat Williams, Kobe White, and Dalen Terry. No picks involved, just young guys for established guy. I love that. I really love that. I want Patrick Williams to succeed. I really was high on him when he got drafted. He's yeah. turned himself into like a good role player, good sixth man. Um, but with the number four pick, you really want somebody, a guy like that to be much more than that. Um, we've seen Detroit rehabbing careers with Marvin Bagley, Nerlens Noel, Kevin Knox, uh, you can name them. Uh, I would love that. I think that works out perfectly for both sides. Detroit gets younger, they get more young guys and Chicago might have a chance to compete. Yeah. And if the bulls do get Bogdanovich and he can come off the bench for them and you know, Lonzo Ball comes back and he looks okay or looks like he can play NBA level basketball. Like that is a that is a dangerous team. They're gonna have some defensive issues, but just you know, offense alone, that's gonna be pretty tricky to deal with. Yeah, and on the Chicago Bulls end, on that kind of game planning future side, do you think it's smart to have hope in Lonzo Ball coming back? Is that the the mindset they should be going for? I think that's what they have to go for because he's so important to what they do. It's yeah. not smart, but all rationale goes out the window when he's as important as he is to your team. And like I said, we joked about it earlier, like just pretend he's retired because we don't know how this is going to go for him. So um, I think personally, I wouldn't go all in, even though I really like that trade for the Bulls and the Pistons. I think I would more lean what they did with the Mavs and sending DeMar Mm-hmm. And Caruso to the Mavs and just kind of retool. Yeah, I think the retool or the blow it up scenario is probably more likely. As much as I love Lonzo, and he's really one of my favorite players in the NBA, yeah. um, he's not healthy. And this team is amazing when he's healthy, when everybody's healthy. This team, yeah. they looked unstoppable last year. Um, but if you're just going to sit around waiting for that day to come, I think it's better off to retool and try again. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, I have a few Cavs trades here as well, because we know they're on the trade market begging for some wing help. Yeah. So here's the first one. Cavs get PJ Washington, Kelly Oubre Jr. and James Booknight. The Hornets get Lavert and Okoro. And instantly Hornets fans are probably disgusted in that idea because it's yeah. so, yeah. 
But basically, the re- rationale behind that is Kelly Oubre Jr. is on a one-year deal, and he's a selfish player. You probably want him off your team. P.J. Washington is up for a contract extension. If the Hornets get rid of him now, they don't have to pay him. I'm not sure they want to pay him. I don't know if they have the money to pay him with what they're paying Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, like in LaMelo Ball's extensions coming up as well. Like, I'm not sure they can afford that. And then you get Levert, who's expiring, and Okoro, who's just a young defender you can put next to LaMelo. I don't love it, but it seems like maybe it's a slight win-win. That's a, It's an interesting question. I'm, it's an interesting idea. I don't think it works. I don't think it's enough for Charlotte to to consider it. Maybe it, it does Cleveland have picks they can throw no, in? because of no. the Donovan Mitchell trade. Correct. They have nothing. So yeah. it's, it's just pure, hey, I, I'm saving you money. That's basically the rationale behind this. I'm just making your life less expensive. Right. And I think the move for Charlotte should be holding on to P.J. Washington. But I don't know if they can afford it legitimately. Their uh, books you, are going to be cooked. It's not that bad. Terry Rozier is getting paid $23 million a year, which is not bad at all. Kelly Oubre is getting paid 13 this year, and then he's off. Um, if you actually go and look down the list, there's only two guys they're giving fat contracts to. It's Gordon Hayward at 30 and Terry Rozier at 23. But it's not who they're paying right now. It's who they have to pay in the summer, which is LaMelo, who's made an all-star game, and they have to give him five years, $250 million, whatever the fuck. That's that's more of what it is. Can you can you handle paying Lamelo fifty million, Gordon Hayward thirty, Terry twenty, and then you want to give PJ Washington twenty five million, thirty million dollars a year too? Maybe. I mean, uh, Gordon Hayward's off the books next year, or he's got two years left on his deal, and Lamelo's got two right. years left on his rookie deal. So you could time those so that Gordon Hayward's out the door by the time you're paying Lamelo his fat checks. You don't think they're going to give Lamelo an extension the second he's available for one? He's getting paid t- eleven million dollars next year. So what I'm saying is the contract extension starts two years from now. And two years from now, Gordon Hayward is no longer on your books. I see what you're saying. So when the 30 million, okay. All yeah. right. So maybe maybe they just keep PJ Washington then because he's a good wing prospect and he can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, I like the idea of shipping of, uh, Kelly Oubre as a $13 yeah. million dollar expiring. Um, right. I, you know, we know who Kevin o- Kelly Oubre is. He's a guy who you put the ball in his hands and he shoots it. Right. Um, This next one for the Cavs is kind of pie in the sky. This is like my dream scenario. Pretty unlikely. The Cavs get Jeremy Grant and Portland gets Levert and Okoro. Very similar reasoning. Portland has been skidding down the standings. Are they sure they want to give him $35 million a year next in the offseason? Because he's up for a contract this offseason. He probably will be the premier free agent. Um. Are the Portland Trailblazers comfortable paying Dame fifty million, Jeremy Grant forty million, and and Fernie Simons twenty five million for the next four years? You really think he goes after a contract that high? He's going to be the best free agent this year, and we know we all know the tax dollars are going up. Like the the league's about to boom financially, so he's going to get anywhere from thirty to thirty five to forty million dollars in a deal. I hate that. You're it, right. You're right. And I hate that. I hate that we're going to be doing this shit where it was like Timothy, Timothy Moss yeah. getting four years, 64 million. Yeah. Jeremy Grant's not that bad, but the idea that somebody's going to pay him $35 million, I think is absurd. But and the idea, the idea of this is, Hey, the Cavs get Jeremy Grant. They can pay him because Kevin Love comes off their books and so does Levert. 
that's $40 million just sitting there for you right away. And then they can have him for two years. And then once Mobley's up for his extension, maybe he goes off into the sunset somewhere else. But if you put Jeremy Grant on a Cavs team with Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, and Darius Garland, I mean, that's that's got to be one of the best starting fives in the league. Yeah, I think that's uh, just a little bit too far out of Cleveland's reach without any picks to picks, offer. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe they have do they have other young guys they'd want to throw in is like a Dean Wade or like, you know, any of those end of the bench guys who do impact winning. Would you, I feel like you'd have to throw in a couple of those. I think if you're Portland, that doesn't sway the deal for you. No, I think, I think if you're Portland and you're trading Jeremy Grant, it's because you recognize you've made a mistake bringing him there in the first place, because now you have to pay him for so long and so Mm. much money. Um, Because I, I don't know about you, but, if you're paying Je- Jeremy Grant as the second highest paid player on your team, you're never winning a championship. That's my that's my feeling, at least. Yeah, they shell out a lot of money out there in Portland. I'm not sure right now between them, like how much is Nurk getting paid? Uh, Anthony Simons just got a $100 million deal. Um, Nurk got an extension, too. So, like, he's there for a long time. Nurk is getting 15 mil this year. Oh, that's nice, though. That's yeah, not that's a bad a fu- deal. That's no, not for four deal. years. No, that's yeah. nothing. But, I mean... Jeremy Grant, that co- the size of the contract he's going to be demanding, I'm not sure if Portland wants to swallow that amount of money. I don't think they do. Uh, they have to pay Damian Lillard $58 million in the 2026 season. Awesome. Um, that's crazy. He's got a player option for $63 million the following year. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, but if you're thinking about it, Jeremy Grant – the the best return on investment is absolutely not Isaac Okoro and Karis LeVert from Cleveland. Probably They're, not. If you're thinking about it, though, and let's let's think about that. Portland, yeah. if they want to get rid of Jeremy Grant, if they're deciding, like, you know, something about this lineup just isn't doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, the West is really competitive. It's time to blow it up. I think Memphis should get Jeremy Grant. That, that's... that's a name that I think if they put him, Jaron Jackson Jr., Jaw, that's just a oh. I mean, like, if you have all those guys together, that's a right. deadly lineup. If you're Portland, though, like, I don't know, does Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, and Danny Green's expiring contract for next year and, like, three first-round picks, does that do it for Jeremy Grant? I don't know. And are you comfortable giving up three picks for Jeremy Grant to begin with? Like, is he that caliber of player? <sighs> three picks? That feels like a lot for him. But Jake LaRavia and David Roddy, I mean, these are guys who are playing half their minutes in the G League, and then you're di- you're throwing in Danny Green, who's coming off a torn ACL and is 35. You need to you need to do something that entices the Grizzlies. Yeah, I mean, I've, that's the, why I'm saying you got to put in some players that matter. I think, but, um, like a Dylan Brooks or like you know some of the people in their top eight nine that actually contribute to winning. Brandon Clark, um, I think bringing him to Portland would work out pretty well. Um, I'm not sure what the trade is. But if you're thinking about it, you know, it can't be the Cavs package is the best one that Portland's got. Probably not. And that's that's just what it is. Like, what can you build to make that work mm-hmm. for, for all these squads? You have to find something. First, it was just teams that needed wing depth for me. And Cleveland is screaming, I yeah. need wing depth. Um, Memphis isn't one of those teams that I feel like desperately needed, but it's kind of the same thinking with the OG trade that I had for them, where it is an upgrade over Dylan Brooks. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going for top end talent more than I'm going for. Like, this is a team that needs wing depth. Right. 
Right. And I think a lot of the teams I made the trade for Bogdanovich uh, could go for the same thing with Grant, right? Like the Bulls yeah. could go after Grant or I don't know. What do the Knicks become if they add Jeremy Grant? Legitimately dangerous, I think. Yeah. Because that's a guy, I mean, do you, if you're the Knicks, I'm going to try to do this in real time, but if you're the Knicks, like, do you give up RJ Barrett? in the deal in a deal for jeremy grant like is it if to minimize what you're giving away in picks like let's say it was just jeremy grant for rj barrett and obi toppin yes i think if you're the knicks well so the thing about rj barrett that is always tough is he was not deserving of that the pick that they took him at um, R.J. Barrett has not developed into the guy they wanted him to be. There's not really any stat at all you can look at and say, like, R.J. Barrett's killing it in that aspect. Even if you want to talk about how good he is defensively, the right. Knicks' defense is better with him off the floor. Um, so I think if you could con the Trailblazers into taking R.J. Barrett and giving you a really, really impactful guy in Jeremy Grant, I think that's an excellent move. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to find something that works. Portland's going to go over the luxury tax, and they're not going to do that for RJ Barrett. So there's there's some wiggle room somewhere, but yeah, it's interesting where you put Jeremy Grant and what level of ceiling raiser is, and that's how we should finish the episode. Is just go through guys who are probably going to be traded or are going to be topics around the trade deadline, and just kind of rank them as how good we think they are. Like for Bogdanovich, can he raise you to a championship level team? if you're already an above average team in your opinion. It depends on who you are. The West is really, really, we've said this, I think the last episode yeah. that the margins between the best teams in the NBA are thinner now than it seems like they've been for a while. Um, and so if you're a team that's like, you know, the third, fourth best team in the league, if you're the Cavs and you could somehow get Bogdanovich onto your team and not give up any big part of your starting five, um that would be incredible for their ceiling um not that bogdanovich is some unbelievable player but just like that fit is what they need yeah yeah if you can plug a weakness right now and just how the league is layered yeah you can jump significantly yeah if you're the fifth best team in the east and you have a clear weakness in that sense you plugging it puts you in the top tier uh, top tier teams right and i'm thinking for like sacramento if they added jeremy grant or if they added Bog bogdanovich like are we talking about Sacramento as a top three seed in the West? Like that. I'd would love be, to have that conversation. That would be ridiculous, right? I would love to have that conversation. Because that's a clear upgrade for them. If they send out Barnes and Davion Mitchell or a first round pick or something and get Jeremy Grant, I mean, that's a, that's a level up for them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's one of those things where it's like this trade deadline could really sway how the league looks right now. I think Denver is probably locked in at one in the West. I'm pretty sure the Celtics are locked in at one in the East. But there's a lot of wiggle room in these standings right now just because of how tied things up. I think Miami's a team I wish I made a trade for um, because they're starting to get their shit together, starting. Mm -hmm. And if they add a piece like that, right, where it's like, I mean, their books are so cooked right now. They've got so many contracts they need to deal with. But if they do end up getting a decent player on their team, like they're going to be hard to beat like very very hard to beat i agree i agree yeah i mean miami 
they're a weird team. They definitely need to add a piece. Adding Jeremy Grant, that feels like a team that will somehow pull out a trade and end up with Jeremy Grant on their team. I just made one on the fly. Kyle Lowry, two unprotected first-round picks for Jeremy Grant and Justice Winslow. Is that... Bringing in another guard into Portland, another high-paying guard, I don't know. Fair, very fair. But it's there's room, right? Yeah, That's yeah. what we're learning. There's room Absolutely. for us to play around and get guys to really good situations that will impact the championship or playoff picture. Yeah, and I think it's like a final thing to talk about when it comes to trading players. We do have to mention Russell Westbrook. Um, he's a name that we have been hearing about in the trade market since he joined the Lakers. We knew it wasn't a great trade when he joined the team. Um, I have been of the mindset that I'm frustrated talking about the sort of incredible trades you could put together with the valuable picks that the Lakers have because they're not trying to do it. Um, if you had to put an odds at like out of a hundred percent, what are the chances Russell Westbrook gets moved this year? Zero. Yeah. I, I literally think zero. I, there's not a shot in hell that they try to salvage this year uh, just because LeBron says so. Like, and honestly, to mortgage your future on this year is not smart either. And we, I've spoken about this on prior podcasts. Like the free agency market, it's not booming with stars, but what it is booming with is players that would fit nicely next to LeBron. So instead of mortgaging your future and potentially changing another franchise's hit, like, trajectory how about you just focus on this year understand what's wrong with the team and then next year when seth curry's a free agent throw 20 million dollars at him and don't blink just get him on the team next to lebron and you're and you're in good hands i like that idea i was thinking uh send kyle kuzma back to la send russell westbrook to washington um and honestly if we spent 20 minutes on it we could legitimately come up with some incredible trades that would make the lakers a great team um but you know why talk about it i guess you're right it's not gonna happen it's not and the thing is is westbrook's expiring too so they are going to have so much money to fucking throw around in the offseason 40 million dollars just coming off the books i mean that's excuse me that's a lot of money to be able to throw at a guy like jeremy grant if they want him or miles turner um gary trent jr malik beasley like all of these guys terrence ross would be awesome fits next to lebron that's Jordan true. clarkson i could go for ages this yeah. this free agency class is built to be put around lebron so if ad is relatively healthy and lebron's still a top 15 guy in the league you can potentially throw yourself back into the championship conversation i think that's i i agree with you um it's hard to just hope that the best free agents in this class this upcoming class just sign with the lakers just to help lebron out um, but they're getting paid the lakers have the money right. to give them contracts yeah it's not just uh i feel lebron bad for lebron let me go to his team it's, yeah we We've can been... also pay you Right. A lot of money. We've been seeing the past two years. There's a couple of guys, Malik Monk and a couple others who joined the Lakers just because LeBron James is on this team and I'm playing with LeBron. Right. And that's just not a, a strategy that'll lead to like incredible team building. <laughs> yeah, it's just not it's not smart. And they're, right. they found some gems like Malik Monk got paid because of what he did on the Lakers last mm-hmm. year. Thomas Bryant looks like a steal for them. He looks very good. Um, So there's. There are some more players on the team that are starting to show why they're there. But yeah, man, this trade deadline is going to be very interesting. Hopefully we get to see some fireworks. Hopefully we get to see some big names. I didn't really have a ton of big names in my, I mean, I had Laurie Markin and OG, but we didn't have any like certifiable superstar guys getting moved. 
No, um, I think the only name that would have come up there is Trey Young, and recently, the past 15 games or so, his efficiencies looked a lot better. Yeah. Um, if he continued slumping for the entire season, it was going to be, I think there was going to be a conversation to be had about, like, does he get moved? But right now, probably not. And I think he's a guy that we look forward to this summer, and if things continue to go poorly for this team, I mean, the Hawks could just deal Trey Young recoup back what they got from the Murray trade with those three unprotected first round picks they gave up to the Spurs. Yeah. And then get some retooling pieces around. Cause yeah. I don't know. DeJounte Murray, John Collins, Clint Capella, Bogdan Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter, Akonwu. That's a very good nucleus. If you just yeah. add a few pieces around the fringes, they're still a good team. So probably. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any other major names to bring up. Yeah. Neither do I. I think this will be a very interesting deadline. Hopefully some things get shaken up. Um, Ben, anything else to say before we get on out of here? I've got nothing. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you later. Peace.